0: after that happened, after that fire, uh, and we were back at the station and I was listening to some of the more seasoned, uh, firefighters that ha- that fire happened within the first year of my time with the fire department, uh, and listening to those, uh, more seasoned firefighters. Uh, I realized that we were probably in more peril than I did when we were actually, uh, in, uh, fighting the fire and made, made me, Ask the questions to myself. Okay, what were we? Were we really prepared to be in there? Uh
1: the Firehouse Logbook Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson. And in the course of um, doing this podcast, I've gotten to reconnect uh, with a lot of people that I've had the opportunity to work with over my career that I may not have seen in several years. Uh, but today I'm getting to reconnect with one I only worked for about six months with uh, at NFPA. And uh, it's good to good to catch up with him. We, uh, we met up a week or so ago while most of the NFPA staff was here in Kansas City. And uh, we got to meet up at a an establishment in kansas city and then uh jeff was nice enough to invite us back over to his house for dinner one night and that's where i got the idea to to sit down with him for a podcast because i'm on the road this this next couple of weeks on vacation and said i didn't realize we were going to be that close so uh please welcome to the podcast jeff hudson good to see you jeff
0: it's good to see you robbie thank you so much for the opportunity to share whatever i can that would be of interest to your listeners on your podcast that i'm i'm anxious and and honored Thank you.
1: the best part about this is, is it's not, um, there's no script. I mean, I, I've literally, usually I have a note with that opening ceremony in it and I've got a couple of notes with emails and stuff, but I don't even have that in front of me. So this is going to be even more off the cuff than normal. But, uh, you know, we got to work for a short period of time at NFPA where you were the regional sprinkler specialist and, uh, I think it was 2019, early 2019 when you left.
0: 2018, 2018, June of 2018. Was when you left. And I came yes. in January
1: of 2018. Yeah. So we got to be at a couple of meetings, and you showed me the ropes up in Oregon about what the sprinkler associations were doing. But uh, you've got a much longer fire service history than that six months that we got to work together. Um, and uh, you were, I guess, from the fire service part, you were the chief at Shawnee, Kansas. Is Correct. Right? Yeah, city and, of Shawnee. Which is uh, not too far from where we're sitting now. So... Uh, We'll get to that, but let's go back even further than that. You've got a 30-plus year career. We, we were talking last week over dinner. and uh, Let's go back to how you got your start and where you got in the fire service, how you got there, what, what spawned you to get go ride fire trucks and ultimately be the fire marshal and fire chief in Shawnee. So uh, where did it all begin?
0: Well, it all began actually a little bit uh A a few months before I started my time with the City of Shawnee Fire Department, which was uh, in February of 1975, my interest in the fire service got peaked um, uh, in a town called Oak Forest, Illinois, where uh, prior uh, to moving back to Shawnee, that's where my family. Lived. My father moved us there uh, when with his job in 1967 from Shawnee. So home is Shawnee. Lived in Oak Forest for a few years, and in the middle of the night uh, in in 1974, uh, got up in the middle of the night to go to my job. Uh, I was 20 years old, and there was a glow outside my window and i opened my drapes it was about 4 in the morning and the house behind us was on fire and i watched those firefighters work so hard uh, to contain that fire uh, which was uh, it, it was uh, it a house, uh, it, it guessing, was a house yeah. fire uh, our backyards uh, met and and it was our neighbor's home a oh, wow. uh, total loss and and that kind of started piqued my interest uh, 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 probably is no surprise to, to any uh, senior firefighters out there that, that the show Emergency was on uh, television at the time. And th- all, I think a lot of us young guys were uh, interested in that show, and, and it really uh, played a part maybe for, for firefighters my age of them coming into the fire service and I know it did mine. So kind of started uh, went to the fire department in Oak Forest the next day and asked about their volunteer program and and started training with them. And a few months later I had an opportunity to move back to my hometown and I took that and Shawnee. The city of Shawnee, Kansas, which is a uh Now, a 42-square-mile city with a population of about 75,000 people. It's a a bedroom community in a suburb on the southwest part of Kansas City, of the Kansas City metro area. But in 1975, our population was probably around 10,000, and we were probably only about 20 square miles at that time.
1: So the city has grown. What... um. How many stations were there, and and was that a career position or career department, or did you come in as a firefighter from there?
0: I started out with the city of Shawnee as a volunteer firefighter in 1975. They had three fire stations. Uh, I was assigned uh, to Station 2, and I, I was 20 years old, as I said. In fact, after moving back from Oak Forest to Shawnee, I got on the fire department before I actually had gotten a job. So Mm. it was that, that much of a priority for me to be connected to the fire service while I was looking for a job, but, um, started my career, uh, and, uh, probably like a lot of young firefighters was blessed to, um, be assigned in a station where there had where there were volunteer firefighters that had been there 30 years 40 plus years at that station so i was in a mix of very well seasoned people not only seasoned in the fire service but seasoned in life Mm -hmm. seasoned with having kids that probably were my age or younger and them having the patience and the understanding uh to to bring along a kid that probably thought he knew more than they did, at the time. And um, well, you watched
1: the show Emergency. I mean, you had it wired. It was didn't a it? professional, of
0: course. <laughs> um, but they were. Uh, I, I was truly blessed in my career to work with those folks who, uh, taught me the ropes and had the patience to let me try some things that didn't work at all.
1: So was all that training when you, when you came on, was that kind of OJT or did they have a formal academy or how did, how did the training work in 70?
0: Five. That's a great question. We did not have a formal training program. We had Sunday morning trainings at the fire station, yeah. and whoever was available, you were at the station at eight o'clock on Sunday morning, uh, weather permitting. We were out on the on the trucks, uh, learning learning i was learning other seasoned folks were relearning and training and keeping their skills up i was learning those skills at those at that time but it was all on the job there was no formal training program my first uh, day at the fire station i was i was uh, given gear a pair of rubber pull-up boots a turnout coat and a fire helmet and a pair of rubber gloves go get them and i started riding the fire truck and making calls there you go
1: what um those those seasoned guys that were there did they have? I mean, nowadays you hear volunteer firefighters that are career firefighters in the bigger jurisdictions. Were these guys volunteers in their community of Shawnee, and career firefighters in downtown Kansas City, Kansas, or other places, or did they have other jobs?
0: I don't recall any of our uh, firefighters. Having a career so job in the fire service, completely volunteer. We had a full time chief, a paid fire chief. Uh, that was the only paid position in the in the fire department for um, for the five years that I was a volunteer.
1: So when you when you when it volunteer time was over, were you brought on as a career, a paid firefighter in that same
0: department? When the city started hiring in uh, 1978, um, I was. I was interested. I had found a job as a carpenter, actually, and I was swinging a hammer every day. And that was my full-time work. But my, I really had an interest in getting on a fire department. And I was uh, fortunate to be the fourth full-time employee hired by the city of Shawnee. And that was in 1980.
1: Wow. Now, uh, harkening back to the volunteer days, and particularly in that generation, those... Uh, The places people worked would let you actually run, you know, leave the job site and go to calls. Were were people doing that then in Shawnee, or were you working too far away and not have access to, like, pagers and things of that nature that, you know, I'm on a a job site today, the page goes off, oh, there's a fire, i got to go, I'll be back
0: when I get back. Fortunately, we had those folks on our fire department that worked locally and could make calls during the day and, and of course, with the help of mutual aid. I was never – that I recall, I was never close enough to town where I could, yeah. uh, leave and go, a uh, bit of
1: a response time. Yes. Away. And
0: I, I, probably like a lot of volunteers possibly worked for, uh, a boss that really didn't like, like would want me to leave the job right. site, uh, because they're committed to getting a job done for people. And I understood right. that. And, uh, so I didn't, I never asked if it would be okay. Cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, what was um you know they were talking your years as a volunteer in the early years as a as a paid firefighter what, what what were the types of calls you were running back then and what was the call volume like? was it at uh, you know one a day uh, here in that small of a town maybe it was not even that what kind of call volume were you running and what types of calls was it ems was it just fires was it a little both?
0: It was a little of both uh, we The city of Shawnee, uh, is, had mostly a bedroom community, but had a little bit of light industry, uh, out in outside of the, on the fringes of, of the city. Uh, most of our calls, uh, were probably, uh, medical calls. Uh, but in, when I came on in 75 and probably up until around 1990, um, our structure fire calls were a lot more Mm -hmm. than they, than they are. Even though the city grew, our actual structure fire numbers started to go down. uh, Probably uh, from the reason, like many of your other guests on your podcast, that once we had smoke alarms come on the scene, uh, our structure fire calls started, started to go down. But um, we had a lot of structure fires uh, working fires in that time at that time. And we had a corridor of garden style apartment buildings in Shawnee. And we had, uh, that was usually a big fire when we had a fire start in a garden apartment or a storage area of a gar- garden apartment. Uh, and of course you, you, your experience with that is probably the same as mine and many others that once it gets going in that lower level, Uh, you don't put it out till it's up on the top on the top level because of the construction
1: development called chesterfield village in in the north end of the county that was you know if you went there you pulled out of the station at station nine if you could see the smoke you were in for an all-night affair if that that was the case yeah
0: yeah so our structure (laughs) fires we had a lot of um they they considered shawnee there as more of a Uh, The western part of our town is more of a rural area, so we had a lot of wildland uh, Mm -hmm. grass fires, wildland fires, prairie-type fires as well. Uh, We had a rescue squad in our fire department that was part of our fire department, and uh, I had an interest in that. Uh, So I started uh, I went through my training, asked the fire chief if I could be part of the rescue squad as well, went through the the necessary training so that I could run ambulance calls as a volunteer, which uh, turned out to be uh, uh, a a resource or experience that would that would serve me later on in the fire service as we became required to be EMTs.
1: right. So that was was that part of the same organization it was just a you know qualified qualified to ride the ambulance versus qualified to ride the engine the same same group of people
0: it was uh the shawnee rescue squad it was part of the fire department but it was a nucleus of people okay. that primarily ran the ambulance and didn't run fire calls only a handful of us did both gotcha
1: any uh, any big calls from that that early stage of your career that kind of helped shape the way you uh, your career went over the course of the next 20 some years?
0: I think so. Um, I think the structure fire calls the garden. I mentioned the garden style apartments, uh, helped shape my career and really, uh, get a young person ready, uh, for, for what was, what was to come later on in, in, in my job, in my career. And we, uh, we had, as I mentioned, we had some light industry and one call in particular, uh, that was a sprinkler building, uh, was, um, an animal health, uh, where the animal health, uh, manufacturer of, of met pharmaceuticals and, okay. and their warehouse area caught fire one night. And, and it was a huge interior firefighting operation and even though the sprinkler system was activated that for some reason the fire the fire outpaced the sprinkler system and we had uh we had a a real fight on our hands and i remember i remember that after that happened after that fire uh and we were back at the station and i was listening to some of the more seasoned uh firefighters that that fire happened within the first year of my time with the fire department uh, and listening to those, uh, more seasoned firefighters, uh, I realized that we were probably in more peril than I did when we were actually, uh, in, uh, fighting the fire and made, made me ask the questions to myself. Okay. What were we, were we really prepared to be in there? Uh, it, it's all stuff that that you ask yourself and then you maybe you start taking your training a little more serious maybe you train more maybe you train a little harder uh, because of that so i i think that helped shape me in terms of knowing how important it is to learn and to never stop learning uh, in the fire service
1: sounds like one of those it's uh it's ignorance is bliss. And you, as, as I have been on many a call, I've been very blissful at times.
0: <laughs> yes. So, yeah. And you get after yeah, we, the
1: fact and it's like, Oh, maybe that wasn't such a great move. So. And
0: we share that, yep. uh, those, and probably a lot of folks, a lot of your listeners do as yep. well, but I don't know. It, it was just the, I think that's how the fire ser- service was then. And look at the lessons that we've learned that probably we'll get into later mm-hmm. things we don't do now that were commonplace
1: tailboards that yeah. were
0: commonplace at as, that as time he, as
1: he points to a picture of uh i think you're on the roof yes it? yeah uh, was that a single family home it is with yeah. uh, maybe a little bit of the roof missing because of fire and there's two firefighters on there cutting a hole in the roof of a house and
0: and there's tar running out from under the uh, the uh composite shingles um, spongy maybe yes <laughs> so we don't do those things yeah. now and we're blessed to have survived those things um and not not been a statistic so yep. that we could take those lessons forward and teach others.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about those, that, that crew that were the seasoned firefighters that you said were, um, that, that, uh, the previous generation, any of those that stand out in your mind as great mentors to you and, and what made them great mentors to the young firefighter that was coming along and the, at the job at the time?
0: There's probably three or four, uh, that, that stand out and probably because they, they had similar, uh, personal traits and and traits in the fire service just just gifts that that you want to be around because of the gifts they had in in working with people and uh, and I mentioned patience earlier and those two or, those three or four folks had incredible patience uh, and and let me learn uh, at a pace that they realized was my pace and uh, so I think the fact that Uh, I think why I still admire those people today is because they were patient and I learned from them. They didn't uh, covet their knowledge. Uh, They weren't afraid to share their knowledge. With someone that was much younger than them, uh, they they were willing to do that. They were willing, uh, maybe to meet me at a fire at the fire station on a Tuesday night if I had a question about something or or needed some help with something, and they would drop what they were doing. These were people that had a family, and they would come to the station and help help a guy that they probably hardly knew. So, just kind, gifted, generous, knowledgeable. Uh, as I said, they weren't only seasoned in life. They were seasoned in, their, in the fire service yeah. as well.
1: Good, good mix to have both of those traits. It seems like they, those are the ones that really do, that, that enjoy that mentoring process of you know, sharing their knowledge and then watching you absorb it and then carrying it to the next level. So,
0: And I watched those guys be incredible leaders in their own family. They were incredible dads. Uh, to their kids. And I can see why, I mean, I got to experience that, uh, outside their circle of their nucleus of family. Mm-hmm. I, I got to experience that and understand why they, they were just great dads in their own family. Wow. So where did you,
1: how did you get, um, you know, you, you, you got brought on as a career paid firefighter and, and, Shawnee, what did your career path look like from that point forward that were there, you were the four, you said fourth person Were that were the other three or were any of the other three officers or were you all just firefighters supplementing volunteers or
0: how was that working when the first career staff came on? So in 1980, when I was the fourth uh, full time employee hired, we had a by that time, a paid fire chief, a paid captain, a paid lieutenant and one other firefighter. And we worked at that time we worked an eight-hour shift we worked a 40-hour week uh, because in the evenings and weekends we had over 100 volunteer firefighters in our town that were home from work and in in the city Uh, so uh, there there were the four of us and as i said there were three three officers and two firefighters uh, at that time
1: were you still technically volunteering for the department then too. So your eight to five or whatever the sh- daytime eight hour shift was, would you find yourself running calls at nights and weekends as well? or Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. We all, all, all of us did. Uh, we continued our, our volunteer work in our community. It was important. Yeah. It was important work and we continued to do that. And we did it in those days. We did it on our own time and yeah. nobody thought anything about it. You were just helping your community. You didn't yeah. think about it. Well, this is my job. I should get paid overtime, or
1: you just exactly was that came yes. along. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What did uh, you you mentioned a captain and a lieutenant? Still three stations at the time. I'm I'm assuming. Yes. It, you know, what point did you? Yeah, ultimately, you wound up being the fire chief there. Where, where in your course of it, that career did you go? Hey, I want to be the fire chief one day. Did it? Was it in day one when you walked in the door and going, "Hey, I want to be the fire chief. Let me show me the show me my office." Or no? Where did you? How did you get to that progress through it's your career? It's a long, yeah. long story. If you I want got, me to... I got ninety some hours okay. of recording time here. So. Great.
0: <laughs> so, fourth full time employee, uh, we had three fire stations, and our fire chief decided to split us into crews of two. And had the captain and one of the firefighters at our headquarters station. That's where the fire chief's office mm-hmm. was. And had the lieutenant and myself at the other fire station. And it was geographically the fire station number uh, two. Geographically, was it right in the center of our and
1: That's when town. you were. That's when you were at. That's okay. the
0: where I started. We were a two two-person station when we had a call we took the truck and hoped that there were some volunteers that that showed up and i can remember many times driving the truck and when we got there uh, our lieutenant would would gear up mask up start pulling hose get to the door i would get a hydrant hooked up by, on my own as best i could get water flowing and and follow follow the lieutenant into the fire With the without fire anybody at the, at the engine. Uh, and then whoever would show up would take over the duty of the pump operator. So that was in my early career. So
1: no, no rapid intervention teams, no pump operator, two in, two out. And it was two in and the fire truck was on the outside
0: lessons learned many years later <laughs> we right
1: yeah, we, we're not and, saying we did it right but that's but the way it was did done it. yeah
0: we did the best we could with what we had and there were a lot of folks and you're probably one of them that did similar i was not quite similar to base. that we
1: we i was on a three-person engine and it was me and the officer in a couple of burning buildings with the pump operator out yeah and thankfully yeah. other crews coming in pretty quick but it was way it was long before the two in two out kind of mentality
0: and i don't know about you in those days uh, when there were enough of us uh on a volunteer situation we were still riding the tailboard of an engine
1: yep um that was fun i did that was my first unit was an r model mac yeah which there were no jump seats you were a tailboard driver and the officer and that was it
0: i'm not sure i would want to go back to that but i'm not sad <laughs> that i got to do it either well it gets gets
1: kind of chilly out here in kansas from that, time to time
0: <laughs> that is true
1: and it was that heated I, cab is a I, bonus
0: in one uh, quick story, uh, the, the community I live in now, which is adjacent to the city of Shawnee, um, we, we had at our station, Station 2, uh, an engine that had a F on it. And out here in DeSoto, they had a tanker truck on fire, and it was a cold, rainy night. And I can recall um, riding the tailboard out to Desoto, which is about an eight mile trip and crawling up under the hose bed cover to stay dry and warm and many folks listening have done the same been there yeah so um as each year after 1980 uh the city uh, was able to hire one or two additional firefighters so our our ranks slowly started to grow and i got transferred to the headquarters fire station probably in about 1984. Did those
1: early new hires, did they come in and finish out the third person on the engine or that were they staffing like the other station that hadn't had staffing at that point or were they staffing different shifts or how did? Good question.
0: No, they, your first scenario where fortunately we started getting more people on our on our engine so
1: you could leave the driver outside and go fight right okay yes uh
0: so it was getting to be more of a traditional uh career type fire department situation uh during it was years later uh, before we ever went to a 24-hour shift work uh, situation between the eight-hour shift time and that 24-hour shift time uh around 1984 1985, uh, our city, like many cities in the United States, we were in difficult economic times and our home construction was way down. And our home building inspector, the only building inspector we had for the city, retired. We had just hired a new fire chief in 1984. And the fire chief that we hired uh, had experience in his community of running a the building department out of the fire department. So he proposed that to the city manager at the time when the building uh, inspector retired. The, and
1: the one building inspector. The, the one, one building
0: there. inspector. And we really, at that <clears throat> time, didn't have enough work probably to keep that person busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he convinced the city manager to uh, move that position into the fire department and we got to hire an additional person, not for the building inspections or the plan review or the issuing of permits, uh, that, that person was hired to fill the slot I had, uh, the fire chief convinced the city manager and me because of my construction background, which looking back at it, I had no business doing (laughs) building inspections, but they brought me in off the floor into the fire prevention bureau. Uh, sent me to uh, uniform building code and plumbing code schools, taught me a little bit about the code, and, and my the building inspectors in our neighboring cities took time out of their day to let me go with them and learn how to do building inspections. So we started running the building inspection department out of the fire department, and that was primarily my responsibility day to day was to do that our fire chief was considered the building official and the fire yeah. chief and I was a building inspector that did uh, that did all the plan reviews and uh, issuing building permits
1: did that did that ultimately change down the road a ways to split that building building official function out of the fire department or is it still that way
0: it in about ten years it did so about for about ten years we operated that out of the out of the fire department. The, um, good caveat to that was we could take care of the building inspections for the community. And if we had a fire, I would, I would go to the fire in my inspection vehicle and become a fire fighter again,
1: Mul- truly multitasking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, and they had also in, uh, they took five of us in our fire department and started sending us to, uh, workshops and, uh, seminars and, uh, other learning opportunities to do fire investigation work. So that became something of great interest to me, uh, that particular job. So, um, I would, if I was out doing inspections and we had a fire, I would leave the inspection, go to the scene, do firefighting work if necessary. And then I would stay after and do the cause and origin uh, exam and then um, go back to doing the building, building inspection. inspection. So uh, it was probably a cost savings for the city. We were doing a dual role. Uh, I, thought it, I thought it was rather unique and, and thinking out of the box to do that. Uh, what I didn't know, Robbie, was what I was going to gain out of that. Uh, I was in my associate's degree program in fire science at that time and shared with our coordinator at the university, what was going on. And he looked at me and says, you have no idea how that's going to come back to you in the future. Cause I was still on the fence about it yeah. uh, because I wasn't yeah. riding a fire engine anymore. And that's really what I wanted to do.
1: That's one of the questions I was going to ask you is what did, What did the fire department in general, obviously you, know, you kind of alluded to the benefits to you personally, was there any benefit to the fire department by having that in-depth and involvement in the building inspection side the the pre-certificate of occupancy and knowing where the buildings were was there any any benefit to the crews that were on the rig on the engines that weren't doing inspections did they see any any benefits of
0: that i think over time they did i think in the beginning uh, many of them felt like it was a little bit intrusive Uh, why are we doing building inspections that's not That's not our job, not our responsibility. Well, as it turned out, it is our responsibility. We built a lot of fire prevention into a lot of homes that may not have been uh, focused on. Uh, so our firefighters started to realize that we had an opportunity to affect change as a department in having type X drywall really put. Between the garage and the house where it hadn't been being put, but was required.
1: Even though they're code required. Yes. Those those, uh, builders kind of sneak in the cheaper stuff, don't they? I
0: I don't know if they snuck it in, but they were allowed to do it. Yeah. So I suppose if if it were a cost savings to them, if they were allowed to do it, I suppose a a businessman, that's what they do. Um, Egress and escape windows Mm -hmm. in bedrooms that didn't meet uh the size that the code required. Uh we our fire once our firefighters realized, you mean that window's supposed to be bigger so I can get in there? Yep. Or get and out it, when and, you really and have to effect, we have yeah. an effect on that now. They started over time to really buy into that program and and I uh I don't know whose idea it was. I can't take credit for it um because I can't remember that well when I had an opportunity, I would invite the engine company to meet me at a, at a home under construction that we're going to do an inspection on and walk through there. And we all got a great education out of that working together. Uh, so it got to be, uh, it got to be a good thing in the department until eight years in building really took off uh, in yeah, the city workload, yeah. and it started overtaking our, uh, fire prevention program where we were by the time by by that time we had five people working in our fire prevention bureau uh two of them doing fire inspections three of us doing building inspections we did crossover inspections as well but building got to be so busy that we were starting to lose ground in our fire inspection program because those folks would have to go out and do some building inspections. Mm -hmm. And that got to be an issue in our department and probably rightfully so when we're losing out on doing the annual maintenance type fire inspection to make sure our healthcare facilities, our schools, our preschools uh, are uh, as safe as they can be. And we're missing those inspections that, that's a pro, That can be a problem.
1: Did Did you ever wind up seeing that uptick in the fire incidents as a result of that?
0: No. Okay, we we did not, uh, but it did get to be a morale issue, and um, the fire chief that uh, started that program in the fire department had left and gone to another department. Uh, the new fire chief uh, who uh, who was an Probably one of the greatest mentors I ever had Um, came to me and said, what do you how do you think this is going? What are the good the pluses, the minuses? And we decided that maybe we ought to approach city manager about taking that back to city hall and making it a more conventional program. Uh, I was invited to go to city hall, move out of the fire department and become the building official in the city. uh, Because I think that was probably the path of least resistance. I don't think it really had anything to do with Uh, me. Um, Well, you're already, you're already doing it anyway. Let's just slip you right away. I did not want to leave the fire service. Uh, That was my home. That's, that was where, so I stayed, they hired a building official and started a more conventional program. That's still going on at city hall today.
1: Was that, was that, were you the fire marshal then? I see some of your memorabilia here with the fire marshal title. Were you the fire marshal when that was going on, or was that later on?
0: During the time, we during those eight years, uh, as our fire prevention bureau went from a one-man shop, which was me, a one-person shop, and grew uh, into about an eight-person shop, um, I, uh, I did uh, take advantage of... Uh, promotion opportunities okay. that came about and then before that program left the department i was a fire marshal uh and
1: were you the building official as well or did the chief still carry the that fire
0: out? chief still carried the title building official yeah. i was fire marshal and we and i did some inspection work still but mostly our inspectors did all the all the inspection work but it was a great learning opportunity for that entire staff that worked in the fire prevention bureau that really uh and you understand this that really take it to heart to do everything they can to prevent fires and save lives uh doing doing the non the work that's really not all that uh, glorious yeah yeah
1: i always told you it's you gotten into debates discussions with uh, some of the vision 2020 folks keith brower who's been on here um, about you know how the codes work, how the building codes, fire codes, and the construction of the buildings. That, that is as a firefighter, that's your workspace. and wanting to get the firefighters and fire officers at least engaged in understanding what the building codes say, how they interact with the fire environment um, and getting them into that onto that you know party barge, understanding, okay, we're in this fire environment, the building's on fire and whether or not it stays up or comes down around our ears, is largely based on how the thing is built and is it built to code and all the systems that go along with it. So, so that was that was my and one of the one of my mentors, Bobby Ralston, told me about you know I, I hadn't been an officer about about a year or so and came in the fire marshal's office and he said you'll learn more about how to be a fire officer and fight fire in this office than you will just by riding a fire truck because you understand building construction so much better and the path of fire and how fire behaves and that's I think that played out itself too.
0: Unless you've been. Through that process that you just described, you really don't know. Yep. But that is absolutely the truth yep. about it. Uh, I learned more about preventing fires and fighting fires, doing fire prevention work than, than I did probably uh, riding on the, on the engine. Fire prevention work isn't for everybody. Yep. But I tried to convince all of our firefighters, it was, that they, it was an important part of their job is an important part of their responsibility to the community. Yep.
1: I mean, there's a lot of stories about that, Yeah, you know, how that goes. I, I would talk to our recruits, and I'd put four or five names on the whiteboard in front, and um, you know, I'd list you know, three or four public safety educators, a couple of ed- inspectors, and 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 tell them, I said, these people have saved more lives than you ever will when you get out in the fire station. And I said, and only about two or three of them have actually fought fire. Others are educators plans review specialists who are looking at sprinkler systems, and they're, they're building the building right that allow people to get out to save their lives rather than you have to run in and get them. And That was always kind of it, my, my story to teaching the recruits of why they need to be in, at least aware of the codes and what was happening with education. So,
0: Truly uh, an, an important facet of, of what the fire department, uh, their success, mm-hmm. I think. A successful department does that and does it well, I believe.
1: So tell me more about any, any big challenging projects as a fire marshal. I, as a former fire marshal, I'm always curious about what the, what the big ticket items were that kind of kept you up at night as, it, as the projects came across your desk.
0: Yeah, so um, Shawnee started to really grow. And when that happened, we had a lot of um, industrial growth, um, multifamily growth, and it was a new era and a new generation of codes and i think one of the biggest challenges that we faced in a community in regards to codes was um, getting our well-established developers and builders on board with a new uh, set of code of codes, but
1: they've been doing it this way for 30 years, Jeff. We what's
0: wrong with the way we've been doing it. And there was great value to that. They, they were, um, incredible people. I, I met some home builders while I started, when I started doing building inspections, I met some home builders along the way that I'm still friends with incredible people. They buy into the community. And I mean, buy into it, not just philosophically, but financially, they are buying in and investing in our community and the way they think it took me a while to get my brain around this. It matters the way they think and the way they look at codes. and, And, um, I think the biggest, um, the the one thing that stands out in my mind about codes between developers, builders, insurance, uh, real estate is the residential fire sprinkler issue. but how they think about it matters and needs to be respected, but it's it's our job to convince them that the way we think about it can save lives and So that issue, and there were others, of course, uh, it, it takes a team of people to sit down at a table and talk through those things rationally, uh, before they ever get to a city council meeting and because that's
1: where rationale goes
0: out the window, right out the window. (laughs) If there's nothing like a surprise to a builder or developer, uh, to, to fill a council council chamber. So I think, uh, the challenge was always when we wanted to adopt a new set of codes, updated set of codes that might have a bit of a financial sting uh, to it. Or we've always done it this way. The new code's going to make us redo everything we do. Uh, Changes, change it all around. Yeah. So uh, I think, I think the, the new set of codes every th- three years offered uh, an opportunity to get these folks to the table. And go, here's the changes. What do you think? Why shouldn't we adopt this? We want to adopt this. This is what we think is going to do. Why shouldn't we? Tell us why we shouldn't do that as a community. To make our community better, safer, and more attractive to people that want to move here and buy your product. Uh, so that was our, not mine necessarily. That was our outlook as a department. Uh, so it's almost like you're,
1: you're, sell, you're selling selling the builders on the new code, why, why this, why this new change is necessary. You're marketing it to.
0: Exactly. You know. And I think that group of people in your community just want to be heard. They don't want to be force fed something without having a voice. They just want to be heard. So after learning some hard lessons about that, we changed <laughs> changed how we did business and and uh, a lot, as I said we've I've got lot, some lifelong friends I think because of those relationships that were built around that table. Right.
1: So how much of that um call it the political landmines, call it the 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 business relationships, fire department to builders to whoever else might have been out there. How much of that influenced or better prepared you to be the fire chief ultimately down the road?
0: How did A lot it, a lot. I got a hard lesson one day. When first, I, I will say that I worked in my career. I worked for two amazing city managers, and we can come back to that mm-hmm. later. But I worked for two incredible city managers that gave me opportunity after opportunity. Um, the first one I worked for called me up City Hall one day uh, and said, "Hey." I need you to go out and take a look at this address. Was this and where you
1: were fire marshal? Or I, was, I was, I was doing bu- new
0: on the building. Okay. I thank you. Good question to clarify. I was probably in my first year or two of doing building okay. inspections. I need you to go out to this house and see if they're re-roofing the house. And I said, okay. And that's what he told me to do. I didn't do what he told me to do. They were supposed to have a building permit to put a roof on a house. So I didn't listen very well. um, Talk about lessons uh, that help you prepare. I went out, sure enough, they're roofing this house and I put a stop work order on it because they didn't have a permit. They they didn't ask the city manager just wanted to know if they were putting a roof (laughs) on this. I don't know who called him. I don't know who uh, called and said, whatever uh, to the city manager, but I didn't do that. And the, the lesson was hard uh, because uh, I got spanked over that uh, because I, he didn't want me to shut the job. It down. was either some,
1: just, somebody's house or somebody's job that they were, he was exactly. He was okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He just wanted some Intel yeah. to handle a situation that was brewing. And I made it 10 times worse. Uh, <laughs> so so for, answer for the question and don't go yeah, any deeper than you have Yeah. To and don't let that title go to your head ever. Don't let, don't let it go to your head. Yep. You are, you're a servant. I don't care what your title is in the city or in the fire department. You are a public servant and we've got to remember that all, every day, every shift. We're a public servant. Yep. And so that was you ask about lessons It prepared me that helped um, prepare me very well for every day after that. Actually, whether I was fire chief or not, (laughs) it helped me uh, become, I think, a better uh, listener and to not think that I had power that I don't have.
1: How much interaction did you have in that in that time frame in your career with the city manager or? council members was it did or was it were they always going to the fire chief and the chief was coming to you or were they coming straight to you as the building inspector slash fire marshal
0: the the way it was supposed to be was they were supposed to go through the city manager through the fire chief and he would get a hold of me about anything and i believed in that that didn't always keep them from calling me but i never acted on a phone call without going to my chief and saying hey i just got a call from council member so and so about this or that what do you how do you let me know how you want to handle that if you want me involved or not yeah. i never took action uh, by myself on that going through the i had a lot of Part of your question was interaction with the city manager, a lot of interaction Mm -hmm. with the city manager. I think the fire chief expected me to the fire chief, uh, and I built a relationship and a trust. He, the chief that I worked for, that was such an incredible mentor to me and probably got me more ready for my fire service days, uh, than anybody was this chief and he knew that if I went to tell the city manager something it, because it was the best thing to go do. And he didn't, he, he, he wasn't uh, insecure about that and I never took advantage of that either, but I worked for a great city manager and he did too. And that city manager always uh, was uh, building a relationship between the three of us, constant communication. It was really a good situation. That's so nice. I felt comfortable uh, my chief let me feel comfortable talking with the city manager. I was at city hall every day.
1: Yeah, it's hard to I, not bump into people like that and just come across You pass them in the
0: hall every day. day. Yeah. yeah. What's going on here? Well, say, I'm sorry, I
1: can't talk to you about that. You got to talk to the boss. Yeah. You the boss What's going on
0: that? with this project? Hey, I heard this about that project. What are you hearing about that? And it was a great line of communication, but never uh, broke policy.
1: Yeah. I always had the philosophy of never let the boss be surprised. Exactly. You know, if, if, yeah. he, if it was bad news to be delivered, I wanted to be the one delivering it and yeah. not, not it coming
0: from the outside in. No kind of question thing. about it. That is a, <laughs> words to live by. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you uh, – go ahead. Well, so um, I think that helped prepare me in the community. I had, uh, as I said, I had a lot of opportunity. Uh, both from my fire chiefs and the city manager, I was allowed to attend chamber of commerce events. Uh, it, you probably know this when you're the fire marshal, people think you're the fire chief because you're the one that's almost the face of the fire department. It isn't that you think that's who you should be. You're out in the community all the time. You're doing public education mm-hmm. events. You're attending uh chamber of commerce events. You're you're, you're going to the schools. You're, you're everywhere. And you do start to become, uh, recognized. And we, my fire chief and I always laughed about that. Um, because people would call him up and ask to talk to the fire chief, ask him to talk to the fire. Yeah, Yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah. (laughs) But I never took advantage of that either. And I know you didn't and your listeners didn't either. Whenever I was doing a public, uh, education event, or I was at city, uh, the Chamber of Commerce event, I always brought greetings from my fire chief. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to let you know the chief said hi. I uh, wish he could be here today. He couldn't. Uh, but you all know Buck, and uh, he just wanted to say hello to you. And I always brought him up.
1: Reemphasizing those, that you're not the fire chief. Exactly. Instead, it's the other guy. Here.
0: Right. Cool. Right. So uh, that I spent uh, almost. 20 years as the fire marshal in the city of Shawnee, and it was a great way to build relationships in a community that I love. It was my hometown, and uh, it was also uh, the fire chief and my city manager allowed me to be active in, in organizations outside of our city. And outside of our county and outside of our state, they encouraged not just me but all employees in the city mm-hmm. to become involved in those professional organizations that affect what they do, and and start a network of communication with them that comes back to the city uh, tenfold when you're involved at the at the at the county level in associations, the state, the the international. Um, so they encouraged that. And I, I, di- I took advantage of, of that, um, wonderful part of those folks and got involved, uh, with, um, our County fire prevention organization, our Kansas fire marshals association, our, um, uh, the fire chiefs association in Kansas. Uh, so I got involved in as many of those groups as I could. And, 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 took on leadership roles if they were offered.
1: Yeah. I always looked at it as, you know, in my department, we weren't in a bubble that, you know, th- you know, everybody sometimes thinks, Oh, this is Chesterfield. It's, it's different here. <laughs> Truth be known. It's not, you know, somebody else's has climbed that mountain in the past. And if I can find out who did that and the, where the landmines are that they stepped on, it's going to make my job easier. Thank
0: so. goodness. Those folks were out there <laughs> that's right. in, in finding that's right. them and taking yeah. advantage I'm not saying of them. I didn't step on a couple yeah. along the well, way, didn't but didn't we uh, all <laughs> That's right. for sure. So, Uh, those years, those years as fire marshal, um, I still, during all that time, never even had a thought that I would want to be the fire chief of our fire department. I didn't think, I always thought that was for somebody else than (laughs) for me.
1: How did you stumble into that role then?
0: Interesting. Um, my great mentor, the fire chief that I worked for for 10 years, um, always encouraged me uh, to go back to school to get my bachelor's degree I hate school (laughs) I did too (laughs) I hated school I got my associate's degree in fire science I swore I would never go back in another classroom the rest of my days I I didn't like I didn't like grade school I didn't like junior high high school I didn't like my associate I didn't I just don't like I know that sounds odd, but it just—I wasn't an—it e- wasn't a great learner. Uh, I didn't—it wasn't easy for me, so I didn't want to do it. I know that's backwards thinking. I, I,
1: right but, there with you. When, when my my dad and I had many a knockdown dragouts when I was in middle school and high school about going to school, making the grades. I said, as soon as I get out of high school, I'm never going back in another classroom again. And then what do I do? Oh, I get out of high school, go to a recruit academy for six months, get out of that, go to paramedic school for a year, and uh, so it never ended. <laughs> you failed to mention
0: your bachelor's degree and your graduate yeah, that degree. That too. That too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we share that experience of not wanting to go to school, but doing the right thing.
1: And then wound up there anyway. Yeah.
0: So it kind of brings me to a comment I wanted to make that I hope I hope there's some young firefighters listening. And if you want to take any uh, nuggets from an old man, take this one. Your fire department hires you in and they invest an incredible amount of time and money in you. And to me, there's a payback to that. I'm obligated to pay that back as best I can. And the way I pay that back is to do my very best and become a leader in the department instead of riding the truck ride it ride it as long as you want have fun with it but at some point realize that you are in a place where you can affect change by taking a lieutenant's position a captain's position a company officer position a fire marshal position it's your obligation i truly feel you're obligated to give back to the organization that is invested in you And I always tried to do that. Um, and I thought fire marshal was probably about as high as I wanted to go. And-,
1: and I'm going to call that the end of part one of my conversation with Jeff Hudson. Jeff and I went on to talk for about another hour about his career in Shawnee and after he left the Shawnee Fire Department. But more importantly, we're going to learn about the lessons he learned as a new fire chief in an organization that he essentially grew up in in the fire service and some very important lessons that the he as a fire chief in the Shawnee Fire Department learned after a line of duty death of one of their members. Thanks again to Jeff for sitting down with me for a couple of hours that night and sharing his stories and his hospitality as I got to spend the night with him and his family as I was traveling across country on vacation. So Jeff, thanks again for sharing your home and your family and your time with me just a few weeks ago. Make sure you follow along with this podcast on Facebook, Firehouse Logbook Podcast on Facebook and instagram and twitter the instagram handle is at fd logbook podcast and the twitter handle is just at fd logbook and make sure if you got any questions comments suggestions shoot me a line at firehouse logbook podcast at gmail.com make sure you stay tuned for part two of my conversation with chief jeff hudson that's going to come out in one week